Numbers 8. Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and tell him, When you light the lamps, the seven lamps shall give light in front of the lampstand. Aaron did so. He lit its lamps to light the area in front of the lampstand as Yahweh commanded Moses. This was the workmanship of the lampstand, beaten work of gold. From its base to its flowers, it was beaten work. He made the lampstand according to the pattern which Yahweh had shown Moses. Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, Take the Levites from among the children of Israel and cleanse them. You shall do this to cleanse them. Sprinkle the water of cleansing on them. Let them shave their whole bodies with a razor. Let them wash their clothes and cleanse themselves. Then let them take a young bull and its meal offering, fine flour mixed with oil, and another young bull you shall take for a sin offering. You shall present the Levites before the tent of meeting. You shall assemble the whole congregation of the children of Israel. You shall present the Levites before Yahweh. The children of Israel shall lay their hands on the Levites, and Aaron shall offer the Levites before Yahweh for a wave offering on behalf of the children, that it may be theirs to do the service of Yahweh. The Levites shall lay their hands on the heads of the bull, and you shall offer the one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering to Yahweh to make atonement for the Levites. You shall set the Levites before Aaron and before his sons and offer them as a wave offering to Yahweh. Thus you shall separate the Levites from among the children of Israel and the Levites shall be mine. After that, the Levites shall go in to do the service of the tent of meeting. You shall cleanse them and offer them as a wave offering for they are wholly given to me from among the children of Israel, instead of all who open the womb, even the firstborn of the children of Israel, I have taken them to me. For all the firstborn among the children of Israel are mine, both man and animal. On the day that I struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I sanctified them for myself. I have taken the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the children of Israel. I have given the Levites as a gift to Aaron and to his sons from among the children of Israel to do the service of the children of Israel in the tent of meeting and to make atonement for the children of Israel so that there will be no plague among the children of Israel when the children of Israel come near to the sanctuary. Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel did so to the Levites according to all that Yahweh commanded Moses concerning the Levites so the children of Israel did to them. The Levites purified themselves from sin and they washed their clothes and Aaron offered them for a wave offering before Yahweh and Aaron made atonement for them to cleanse them. After that, the Levites went in to do their service in the tent of meeting before Aaron and before his sons as Yahweh had commanded Moses concerning the Levites, so they did to them. Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, this is what is assigned to the Levites. From 25 years old and upward, they shall go in to wait on the service in the work of the tent of meeting. And from the age of 50 years, they shall retire from doing the work and shall serve no more. But they shall assist their brothers in the tent of meeting to perform the duty and shall perform no service. This is how you shall have the Levites do their duties. This chapter, Numbers 8, has got three parts. The first bit talks about the candlestick again. The second part talks about the, I guess you could call it the induction of the Levites. 
In other words, there was a moment when they basically inducted them into service and they had a special ceremony, including um, you know, sacrifices and prayer for them. And then the last part was just explaining what the Levites were to do and how old they were when they were supposed to do it. Now, the candlestick is interesting. We only get a few verses about it here, but the, the Bible has things to say about the candlestick in all these early books, but it's not all in one place. And that's what's interesting. <laughs> you would think, like if you were sitting down now and you were going to write a textbook to explain, you know, how are we going to run this nation? How are we going to run this tabernacle? And you'd have it a whole couple of pages on the candlestick. This is all about it. But the, instead, the information here is spread out in chunks. For example, in Exodus 25, 31 to 40, it's where its, its construction is planned. In Exodus 37, 17 to 34, is where the detail of where it's actually made. In Exodus 40, 24 and 25, it's the detail of how it's set up in the tabernacle. Leviticus 24 is the details about the oil that's to be used in the candlestick. And here in Numbers 8, we have the detail of how it's to be lit. So normally you would think all those bits would be put together, but they're not. And that's really interesting because the whole Bible in that one sense is a bit like this, because you've got to go hunting to get the whole picture of a certain topic. The Bible is so interconnected with bits of information, so spread out all the way through it. And um, if you want to understand a, a part of it thoroughly, you've, it almost drags you, you know, into the whole entire Bible so that you're, you're drawn in. And what this basically means is, is that you're on a treasure hunt, but only those who are interested are going to find the treasure. Now, normally with treasure hunts, everyone's interested. There was a treasure hunt in America recently called, um, there's an old man, Forrest Fenn. He buried a treasure. He put out a, a poem with some clues. And for eight or nine years, people hunted all over America for this treasure. And eventually they found it buried in a national park or somewhere. And, and it was a great treasure hunt. Well, people had no you know, lack of motivation with that. Hundreds of thousands of people went looking for it. But it seems when it comes to the Bible, people don't seem as easily motivated. But the Lord has hidden these treasures and he's hidden them in a way where you have to hunt for them and they're spread out. So it's only the interested that find them. And this is what we see in the New Testament. Jesus did this with his parables as well. He taught things, but he taught them in stories so that only those who were really interested would seek out the meaning of the story. So it requires, not, it requires not just a mind, but a heart and a will. If you're just reading the Bible and it becomes a mind thing, you just read through and you just see what it says, but it doesn't move your heart. But if you decide you want to really know the Bible and you want to really understand it, it involves your heart and your mind and your will. It involves all of you. And the Lord does tell us in another place, he says, seek the Lord with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your strength. And if you do that, you will find the Lord. Now, the lampstand represents things in the Bible. It's a symbol. It was, of course, a practical piece of furniture in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, it, we come to see what Jesus was referring it to. First of all, it represents light. And Christ, Jesus Christ, is our light. He said in the, in the Gospel of John, he said, I am the light of the world. The lamp 
the, the candlestick is also a symbol of the Word of God. And in Psalm 119, it says, Thy word is a lamp unto thy feet. And the lampstand is also a symbol of the church. And in Revelation chapter 1, we have a picture of Jesus walking among the lampstands, which are the churches. So we've got these three symbols here of a lampstand. It's Jesus, it's Christ, it's the word of God, and it's the church. And I thought, was thinking about this and I thought, if you want to have light in your life, you really need all three. Just imagine every now and then you meet someone that says, oh, I don't need, I don't need to be in church to be a Christian and uh, oh, Jesus is enough for me. And while that's technically true, we find that when people withdraw from fellowship and they don't mix with the body of Christ, that they tend to not have any light and they tend to just go off on wild paths and not find the purposes of God for themselves. But then there are also people that, that deny the word of God. They say, I can be a Christian, but I, I don't believe the Bible is true. Now, we don't meet as many of those, but you find that those people also don't have light. They don't walk the way they should walk. Things are not clear. And you certainly don't have light if you don't have Christ. So it's, it's almost as though these three symbols of light in the Bible, Christ, Jesus, the Word of God, and the church, which is God's people, you need them all. And if you have all these things, then you're in fellowship with him. And, um, and, you're, you, you, find, and um, we, you know, we share his love. We share his light. We find joy and we find fellowship. So, make sure you find yourself in church. The word church itself isn't a building and it's not even a church service. It's the people of God. So it's an oxymoron for someone to say, I don't, you know, I don't need to be in church to be a Christian or, you know, you know I, can, uh, I can be a Christian without going to church. But the fact is that being a Christian is being in fellowship with people and that's what church is. So it's a bit of an oxymoron to say that you can be someone who's in fellowship with God but you're not in fellowship with God's people. The second part of the book of Numbers 8 is where they consecrate the Levites and they consecrate them to the work of God and then the third part, it describes the work of the Levites. And it said here that when they were 25, they were to be conscripted into service and they were to work until they were 50. Now, it's interesting here because we were reading about the Kohathites. Now, these are the priests. And it says they started work at 30. So we've got three different ages where people start. Regular people from the regular 12 tribes they could start work at 20. They could be called to fight as a soldier at the age of 20. This is men. But Levites, they were called at 25. But Kohathites, which are part of the Levite tribe, they're called to work at 30. So that explains why sometimes the numbers are a little bit different. In the New Testament, it doesn't matter what your age is. We're all called to serve the Lord and we're all called to be priests. So if you're listening to me and you're, you know, 12... Well, you're, you're called to serve God. You're called to be a priest. You're called to help with the house of God. If you're listening to me and you're female, you're called to serve God. You're called to be a priest. If you're listening to me and you're older than 50, the retirement age, same thing. You're called to serve the Lord. And in fact, the older you get, the, the probably the better your chances are of serving. Like my great-grandmother, who was sitting in that, that nursing home all those years ago, faithful in prayer. She was probably the greatest servant of all because she had so much time to give to God. Regardless of your age or your gender, you're called to serve the Lord. 
So, Father, we thank you for that. Thank you that the service of Christ has been placed upon us. We've been trusted. And I ask, Lord, that we would prove trustworthy. Let this grace be given to my listeners today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.